Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to this morning. Uh, you know what? As I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking I cannot wait until I do not have to look at you again. And I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean you um, behind the camera. What I mean is the actual camera. I cannot wait till I do not have to look at this camera again and finally get to see people in front of me. I am longing for that day. And we hope, we hope and pray that that day is coming soon. We do not have dates. We do not have times. We know that it's going to look different, maybe socially distanced and all those things. Uh, but do keep an eye out because we do hope uh, to meet together again. That is our desire. That is our hope. That is our prayer. That is mine. Uh, I can't wait to see some faces in front of me again. Uh, but thank you for joining this morning. Wonderful to have you. I know this is not the ideal thing, but we praise the Lord that we at least have this option. This morning, um, I sent out through our WhatsApp that daily devotional that we have. And in that daily devotional, the scripture was Psalm 37, verse 4. It says this, delight yourself in the Lord. And that is my prayer for you today, that you would delight yourself in the Lord. That wherever you find yourself, whatever you're doing, that you would be able to delight yourself in him this morning. It is so easy to um, be devoid of delight during a time like this. It is so easy um, to look passively at our phone or our, or our computer right now and, and not delight in the Lord. But my prayer is that supernaturally the Lord would move by his spirit in you this morning, that you could delight in him more than you ever have before. And that is my prayer. I was struck by the words of Spurgeon in commenting on these verses. Listen to what he says. We do not fear God because of any compulsion. Our faith is no shackle. Our profession is no bondage. We are not dragged to holiness nor driven to duty. No, our piety is our pleasure. Our hope is our happiness and our duty is our delight. This morning, yes, it is our duty to gather together before the Lord in his word. That is our obligation. But it is our delight to gather before his word and say, Lord, will you speak by your spirit in a supernatural way to me this morning, in a way that I've never heard before? Oh, Lord, would you do that? And so it is my prayer that we will delight in him. This morning, uh, Soraya will do our reading uh, through uh, Romans 8, a short reading this morning for us. And then we will sing, Oh, Great God. And as you gather together in your homes and maybe with some visitors, do sing out to the top of your lungs, oh great God. And then we will come and we will turn to Ruth chapter 2. And what a wonderful chapter it is. So we'll turn to the reading now, Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 26 to 30. In the same way, the Spirit help us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. again that we can sing together if you have bibles please take them and open them if you don't have a bible do google uh, ruth chapter 2 we are in ruth chapter 2 so grab your bibles open them up if you are watching from facebook or youtube you are welcome we're delighted to have you make sure to let us know you're here if you, if you want to do that and do uh, let's share this out with with friends click the share button 
and share this out with friends and, and invite them uh, to church this morning. So we're in Ruth chapter 2. And as we think of the truths in this chapter, I was reminded of this. Sometimes, sometimes, the worst words that we can say are this. God is in control. Sometimes, the worst words that we can say are this. God is in control. Yes, those words are true. They are. Don't get me wrong. They're true. But sometimes those words, they're not very timely. I remember when I was in college, a friend of mine, uh, we were in college together. He was uh, studying to become a a teacher of the Bible, a a minister. And so um, when we were studying together, And his 19-year-old daughter was at a party one night and um, she had a tragic accident in which she died. And I will never forget the first day that he returned back to class. The professor, the lecturer gave him an opportunity to stand up and he stood up in the class and he said these words and I will never forget them. He said this, don't tell me that God is in control. I know that God is in control. What I need you to do is pray. And I was struck by that word, those words. My friend didn't need to know again that God is in control. He believed that God was totally in control. The question that was plaguing his mind now is, is God good? He did not doubt that God was in control, but after the tragic death of his daughter, he was asking himself, is God indeed good? And sometimes when tragedy strikes, that is what we are asking ourselves. Not necessarily is God in control, because some of us this morning will believe that. But we do ask, is God good? And this is the truth for Naomi in our passage this morning. Naomi believes without doubt that God is in control. Her question this morning is this, is God good? You'll remember in in chapter 1 verse um, 13, she was um, calling on her daughters-in-law to return back to Moab. And as she was calling her daughters-in-law to return back to Moab, I want you to hear what it says at the end of the verse. She says to them, know my daughters. For it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She believes the Lord is in control. She just doesn't believe that the Lord is good. Again, when she returns back to the house of bread, back to Bethlehem, she says in chapter 1 verse 20, she said this. Do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Do you hear what she is saying? This is the Lord. She is no doubt that the Lord is in control. She just doubts whether he is good. She refers to the Lord as the Almighty, 
El Shaddai, the, the great provider, and yet she says that the Almighty has provided me with nothing but bitterness and calamity. She has lost everything. Her husband has died. Her sons have died, which means she has no husband, no sons, no provision, no hope, and no future. And so in amidst all that, she asks, is the Lord good? And maybe that is a question for some of us this morning. We believe the Lord exists. Maybe we even believe the Lord is in control. We just don't believe he's any good. So is the Lord good? Chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz who was of the clan of Elimelech. The one thing that Naomi and Ruth need right now, one of the things that they need right now is a man. Because in that society and in those days, if they were going to have provision, if they were going to have any hope of a future, they needed a man to, to get that provision for them. And so here we have in verse 1, there is a man. And not just any man, this man is a relative. This man is a worthy man. This man owns fields, which means this man is probably a rich man. Here is a potential man that could provide. But the question is, in those days, when everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes, is this man good? Is this man Boaz kind? Well, we don't know much about him yet, but we do learn something more about Ruth, the Moabite. Because in verse 2, Ruth says, let me go to the field. They have no provision, they have no hope, they have no future, and yet what does Ruth, the Moabite, say? She says, let me go. Here you have some woman. I would have, there's some people I would love to meet from the Bible and Ruth would be one of them. She says, let me go. We heard this last week, didn't we? That there were these three returns, the return of Orpah to her idols, the return of Naomi to the land of the Lord, but not to the Lord. And then at the centerpiece of chapter one, there was this return of Ruth, who turned from her land, who turned from her idols and turned to the Lord. In other words, she repented and trusted in the Lord. But now what do we see here in this verse? What we see here is Ruth's faith in action. Ruth doesn't just believe and trust in the Lord. No, what she has done is she has denied herself. 
and followed after the Lord, coming alongside Naomi. And again, we see another picture where she says, let me go. This is a picture of real faith. In the darkness of the days of the judges, Ruth shines out as this diamond of faith. A foreigner and a stranger willing to deny everything to follow after the Lord. This is the faith that the people of God should have. This is what real faith looks like. If you would put your faith and trust in Jesus, it means denying yourself. For those of us in the faith, it means denying ourselves. Sometimes I think as Christians, we have a faith that says these words. Let me stay. Let me stay in my comforts. Let me stay in my home. Let me not go out into the world and do good. Let me not go out into the world and proclaim of my Savior. Let me stay. That's not real faith, my friends. Real faith says, let me go. And this is the faith that Ruth exhibits here. What wonderful faith it is. But what I want you to notice is what God is doing in these verses. Look at verse 3. So she set out. And went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now when she set out to the field, this is a dangerous place for her to go. I mean, yes, in in that time, in that day, they were supposed to leave the edges of the field for the foreigner. And, and, And according to Leviticus 19 and Leviticus 23 and Deuteronomy 24 and 25, we are told that they are supposed to leave the edges of their field for the foreigner. God wanted his people to care for the outcast. And so, yes, they are supposed to do that. But Ruth has no guarantees. And so Ruth goes out into this field, steps out into the danger and says, let me go. And when she steps out in faith. Verse three tells us she happened. (laughs) I love this. She happened every time I read this. I love it. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Oh, what a coincidence that is, my friends. That she just so happened to come upon the field of Boaz. And in all these little glimpses in this book of Ruth, we see the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. Weaving his way behind the scenes of the life of Ruth and Naomi. But Naomi couldn't see it, you see. She was blinded by her tears, the tears and mourning in her life. She was blinded by her pain and so she could not see the goodness of God. Chapter 1 verse 6. She could not see that the Lord had brought bread back to the house of bread. At the end in chapter 1, verse verse 20, when she comes back and she says, I went away full and now I have come back empty. But she cannot see that there is someone standing right there next to her when she comes back. She is not empty. She has a friend. Her friend's name is Ruth. But she cannot see. 
She cannot see that in this land she does have a man. She cannot see that of all the places, all the fields in all the land that, that Ruth could have gone to. Ruth ends up in Boaz's field. This is God at work. Working out his good and glorious plan behind the scenes. And yet sometimes we cannot see it, can we? Sometimes through our pain and through our hardship, we cannot see the goodness of God. We cannot see the plan of God for our lives. Sometimes it is hard to see God's goodness, isn't it? Even in the small things in life. I want you to think back upon this last week. Think back to the times where you grumbled and complained and moaned and gave out to the people around you and the people you love. In those moments, do you know what I think we are failing to see? We are failing to see the goodness of God. We complain about what we do have rather than about what all that God has given us. We say to ourselves, I'm empty. And yet we forget all the people God has surrounded us with and all that God has given us. And we neglect to see the goodness of God in the smaller things. But this can also happen to us in the bigger things. When tragedy hits, it is so, so very hard through the pain, to see what possible good God could be doing in this. And yet I think, if you continue with me this morning and see, you will see the goodness of God to Naomi and the goodness of God to you. Because look what happens. She just so happened to get to the field of Boaz, right? And then verse four, it says this. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yes, she happens to come upon the field of Boaz. But then it just so happens the time that she comes upon the field of Boaz, that behold, Boaz comes to the field at the same time, at the same day as her. This is nothing but the plan of God. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, verse 4, and he said to the reapers. Now we are wondering right now, what kind of man is Boaz? He said this, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short break, a short rest. This is why I love Ruth. She just works all day, takes a short breath, break, and keeps going. We wonder to ourselves, yes, Boaz is wealthy. He has a field. Yes, Boaz is a relative. But the question is, is Boaz going to be good? And the first indication we get of this might be in verse 4, where he says this language, the Lord 
be with you. And his servant says back, the Lord also be with you and bless you. That is the first indication. Yes, that could have been a normal greeting in the day and, and probably was. But I would imagine that many people in the days of the judges weren't saying things like this. And now Boaz finds out that this strange woman in his field is not just any foreign woman, but she is a Moabite. And remember, the Moabites are the arch enemies of the people of God. And so now we question, is this Boaz going to be good? Or is he going to do what is right in his own eyes like everybody else in his society? And then verse 8 tells us, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or, or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, Go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn out for you. <laughs> is Boaz good? Is Boaz kind? Is Boaz a man of the Lord? Yes, I believe he is. What is Ruth always called throughout this book? Ruth is called Ruth the Moabite. There is a phrase that we often say in Passage West and it goes like this. Once a blow-in, always a blow-in. And so it is with Ruth. Once a blow-in, always a blow-in. Ruth the Moabite. But look how Boaz addresses her. My daughter. He sees past the Moabites. And he sees a daughter of God. Wonderful. And then he seeks to protect her. He says, go along with my women and I have told the men not to touch you. Why? Because it's dangerous. And yet Ruth still said, let me go. Right. And then he says this. If you're thirsty, go and have a drink. You see, the law only required him to leave the edges of the field. The law of God in Leviticus 19, 23 and Deuteronomy 24 and 25 did not require him to give anybody a drink. And yet, in his kindness, he gives her a drink. And she is shocked by this. Verse 10 says this. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Since I am a foreigner. Now, if you are a friend of Ruth right now and you're standing beside her, what are you going to say to her? Ruth, shut up. Don't say anything. Don't tell him you're a foreigner. Don't, don't try and explain it. Listen, he's giving you his field. He's giving you protection. He's giving you drink. Why would you ask him why are you doing this? And why would you remind him that you are a foreigner? And so again, there is this kind of test of Boaz's goodness. What kind of man is he? And we hear in verse 11 what kind of man he is. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left 
your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know, the Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz is impressed with one thing about her. It is her faith. This is real faith. What does Boaz say? She left her father and mother and native land to turn to the Lord. And so Boaz prays, may the Lord, may you find refuge under the Lord's wings. And you know what I think for Boaz? Boaz plans to be the answer to his own prayer. Ruth responds, verse 13, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken what way to me? Kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Well, Boaz didn't only speak kindly to her. Boaz gave her much more. He didn't just give her the edges of the field. He gave her the field. He gave her um, something to drink, water. And then after this, verse 14 onwards, we hear that he gives her a meal. And in that meal, he gives her bread. Why? Because there's bread back in the house of bread. Then he sits her down and he gives her that bread. And then he sends her off back to the field. But when he sends her off back to the field, do you know what he does? He sends his 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 um, male workers behind her so that when she is gathering in among the sheaves, he says, go into the center of the field, not just the edges. When she is gathering in among the sheaves, he, ha- he has his men follow behind her in such a way that if she drops anything, their job is to pick it up for her. I mean, this is kindness, is it not? And so here is what we see. Ruth is now seeing the goodness of God. But here's my question. How is she seeing the goodness of God? Ruth is seeing the goodness of God through God's people. That, my friends, is how the people of this world will see the goodness of God. They will see it through you. You are to reflect the image of God to this world. They will see God through you. We are not saved, of course, by our good works, by our good efforts, by our good deeds. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But did he not create us for good works? Did he not prepare good works for us to do beforehand? Yes, he did, my friends. You'll remember Jesus in his great Sermon on the Mount. What did Jesus say? Jesus said these words. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
May they see the goodness of God in us. And when they see the goodness of God in us, may they then be able to say, oh, God is good. Yes, we see the kindness of Boaz, but ultimately it is the kindness of God. And so all these people are reflecting God's character in their life, aren't they? Ruth is showing kindness to Naomi, reflecting the kindness of God. And Boaz is showing kindness to Ruth, reflecting the kindness and steadfast love of her God. Showing us that God is good. Friends, the only way people will see the goodness of God in this world is through the goodness and kindness of his people. So Ruth, she is, I don't know why you'd call her a beast, because basically she works from morning and we heard that she took a short rest. And then they kind of forced her to take a drink. And then he forced her to go out and have a meal. And then he sent her back out into the field. And what does she do? It tells us she works all night until the evening. So much so that she gathers an ephah. An ephah of food. An ephah of barley, verse 17 says. And... What is an ephah? Do you know what she gathers? She gathers two weeks wages worth of food. It, it's almost like, it, it would almost be like this. If you were sent into a shopping center and the shopping owner said, listen, go and get what you want. You have an empty trolley. Go and get what you want. What would you do? You would stay there all night and you'd be shoving the things into the trolley. I guarantee you I'd be doing that shamelessly. That's what she has been offered. Go into the field. It's yours. And so she gathers and gathers and gathers until she has an ephah. Two weeks worth of food. Wow. And now it is time for her to go back to Naomi. She sees Ruth that the Lord is good. But will Naomi see that the Lord is good? Through all her pain, through all her suffering, through all her heartache. Because it is hard to see through the tears that the Lord is good. This week, on Monday, um, Monday evening, Luana was on a, a, a Zoom, Zoom call. And it was one of the biggest Zoom calls that I have ever seen. <laughs> on this call, Luana was on a call with 460 other women. I mean, I just looked at that. And I was like, that's just madness. And of course, they were going to break them up into different groups and do different, different things with them. But it was, it was, it was nuts. It was insane. And as I looked at that, 460 women in Ireland going into the Zoom call, what is it that brought them there? And, and as I thought about that, I thought, the Lord is good. Do you know why? Because the person who was leading that study was a person called Nancy Guthrie over in the States. And so 460 women queued up that night to hear a recorded Bible study from this woman together. And I thought to myself, the Lord is good. Because many of you, some of you might know, but some of you will know Nancy's story. Nancy gave birth to a daughter and they called Hope. And it turns out very soon after the birth, they realized that Hope had a thing called Zellweger syndrome. 
And after about 190 days, hope died. It was so painful for Nancy and her husband that they decided to take surgical steps in order that they may not have another child because it was very, very likely that that next child would have the same syndrome. Well, they took the steps, but the Lord had other things in mind. She got pregnant again with a boy called Gabe. They found out during the pregnancy that Gabe um, had Zellweger syndrome. And then after about 180 days after he was born, he too died. It was painful for her. And it felt for her like she had lost everything. And yet during her pregnancy with Gabe, she prayed a prayer. And I want you to hear what she prayed. She prayed this. Lord, if you are asking me, if you are asking me to do this again, then use it in a significant way for your kingdom. If you are asking me to go through this trial and hardship and tribulation again, Lord, will you take this bad thing, Lord, and will you use it, Lord, for good? That's her prayer. And I believe that's exactly what the Lord has done in her life. He's taken the painful sorrow of her circumstance and used it for good. Now, that does not mean that she does not feel continually the pain and sorrow of her circumstance. That does not mean that that circumstance is now good. What that does mean is that God ultimately used that pain and that circumstance and that sorrow and that situation for his good. And let me tell you, for the believer, this is what the Lord always does. That's why I had uh, Sariah read Romans 8.28, which says this, and we know. That for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What does that all things mean there? That all things will work together for a good. That does not just mean all good things will work together for our good. What that means is all things will work together for our good. Whether suffering or pain or sorrow, ultimately, God will use all these things for our good and for his glory. That does not mean we will not feel the pain of it. But it does mean we will see that the Lord is God. What about Naomi? Ruth comes back with two weeks worth of food. And she walks into the house or tent or whatever they have with two weeks worth of food now she walks in with two weeks worth of food what do you think is going to happen there's going to be a conversation isn't there you and i know there has got to be a conversation and listen to that conversation in verse 19 and her mother-in-law said to her where did you glean today and where have you worked Blessed be the man who took notice of you. It's hard sometimes to get the tone of what people are saying in the Bible when you're just reading flat words. But I know I've got this right. Where were you? How did you get all this food? How did you get two weeks worth of food? Because Naomi knew she was sending this friend out into the dangerous fields. Naomi knew that. So she asked when she comes back, where did you go? 
verse 19 says, So she told her mother-in-law, Ruth told her mother-in-law, with whom she had worked, and said, The name of the man with whom I worked. Do you hear what it's saying there? She told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked. And then she says, The name of the man with whom I have worked today is Boaz. And at that moment, (laughs) at that, that moment, the penny drops for Naomi. At that very moment, Naomi begins to see that God is good. For she says in verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. You see, back in chapter one, Naomi mentions the Lord seven times. And each time she mentions him, it is something about how bitter he has been against her. And now the next time she mentions the Lord, what does she say? He has not forsaken us, whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Who are the living? Naomi and Ruth. Who are the dead? Elimelech, Malon, and Kilion. What does she say? The Lord in his kindness has not forsaken us. And finally, she can see the glimpses of his goodness. That does not mean she does not feel the pain and the sorrow. But that does mean that she sees through it to the goodness and kindness of her great God. Sometimes it is hard to see the goodness and kindness of God through our tears. And yet I imagine it was hard for Mary through her tears, to see the goodness and kindness of God when she saw her son on the cross. I'm sure it was hard for the disciples to see the goodness and kindness of God as their Savior was whipped and beaten and torn. I'm sure it was hard for those on the Emmaus Road, I know it, To see the goodness of God after their Savior had died. And yet, through the most cruel and painful and despicable and hard act we have ever seen on this planet, ultimately what do we see in that one act but the very goodness of God toward you and me? And it is through that lens that we can see all our suffering. We see it through his. We do not have a savior who does not get it. We have a savior who absolutely gets it. He understands your pain. He knows your sorrow. And he's calling on you to see his goodness today. Oh, might you see 
might you see that the Lord is good, that the Lord is kind, that the Lord is great, that the Lord works all things out, all things for the good of his people. He does not neglect his people. He does not let them go. Oh, my, you embrace, embrace the goodness and the kindness of our God today. May I finish by just reading the last few verses? Verse 21. And Ruth the Moabite, right, once a blowing, always a blowing, said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you might be assaulted. Why? Because it is dangerous. So she kept close to the young woman, women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Now I just have a few questions. What does Boaz's name mean? What is a kinsman redeemer? And what will they do now that the barley and wheat harvests are over? Will God still be good to them? Can I let you in on a secret? God will still be good to them. Let us sing in response together. How great is our God. And I would encourage you to sing it out to the top of our lips. Let us sing, how great is our God.
to our Lord, we want to respond to his goodness and his greatness. And so I would like you to take this opportunity uh, right now to reflect. <clears throat> maybe there's a verse that has come to your mind, or maybe there's something you want to say in response. And um, Please do uh, take this opportunity to share as we reflect upon the goodness and the greatness of our God. It is wonderful, isn't it, to delight in the Lord? <clears throat> and that was my prayer this morning. Lord, help me delight in you as I speak and preach. And I pray that you will be able to experience that delight yourselves. So let us take this time to delight in the Lord. Um, I'm going to say, take the opportunity to say hi to a few people. And then please uh, do share your verses as as we we go. Uh, good morning, um, Soraya. Good morning to everyone there. I know that Soraya is watching uh, with the kids this morning, and a number of people have actually decided to gather to, together in 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 different homes, and that is a wonderful uh, thing to do. So so do please uh, do that if if you feel safe to do so and and would like to do so in some way. Maybe you could. You could gather together and that would be a, a great thing. And as I said again, uh, hopefully soon um, I will be able to look at some faces uh, rather than this um, camera. 
Um, Dad said hello and good morning to Soraya. And then Valerie and the kids, hello to you. And Steve, good morning. And uh, Johnny Bruton and Sarah, good morning to you. And Anderson, uh, great to have you guys uh, with us. Hope little Anderson is behaving himself a, a little bit so you can you can listen in, although it's great that other people can't hear you, isn't it, when you're uh, listening in. And um, good morning. You have your little one to manage as well, so hopefully he's not being too distracting to, to you. Uh, Brendan and Evelyn, uh, great to have you guys here. Uh, Maro and Eliana. Uh, Rosie, good to have you. Good morning to you. Rosalie, great to have you. Thanks for thanks for joining us and being uh, with us. And so um, we have a couple of comments then from people and, and we'll look at those uh, together here now as we uh, reflect. And so um, Soraya just comments, uh, glory be to God. He is good. Now there is a song um, that goes, you are good, you are good, and your love enjoys. You are good, you are good, and your love enjoys today. And so it's that repetition in that song that I love. Sometimes people, um, you know, give out about repetition in some uh, contemporary uh, worship songs. Um, I'm fine with repetition as long as it's good repetition. And as we sing, you are good, that is good repetition to have. Um, Robert, um, you say uh, to us, um, thank you uh, for this word, blessed by it. Good to have you uh, with us this morning, Robert. Great to have you. I believe uh, somewhere in, up the north, I'm not too sure where exactly, but good to have you uh, from there. And then you also mentioned lovely worship anointed. Yeah, um, again, we cannot overstate it, but we are blessed to have um Abby and Andrew uh, share with us each week. Again, that takes work, that takes effort, um, but they certainly have had the attitude of um, Ruth, which says, let me go. Let me just go and do uh, this good work uh, for God's people. And so we are blessed uh, to have uh, that work. Karen uh, writes, more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that is the point um, of of Romans Romans eight that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, and nothing can separate us from His love. That is the point. Through hardship, difficulty, and trial, shall anything separate us from the love of Christ? No. In all things, we are more than conquerors, and not your pain. Your pain can separate you from. His love, your heartache and tragedy cannot separate you from his love. His love always remains because he is good. Um, Elaine, good to have you and Ben with us uh, all the way from Wexford. Um, so wonderful that you can join us uh, online. Glad that your move has gone well. Uh, glad that you can be with us. I suppose the one hard thing about us and um, looking to and meet together again physically is that, that maybe you guys won't get to have the opportunity, although we might try and do something live. We're not too sure, but, but wonderful to have you at least with uh, the online service uh, this morning. So great to have you guys. Delighted uh, to see you here uh, with us. Andrew, it's, God has been working like this 
ever since the beginning, mysteriously working out the good of his good of his people and his glory. What Andrew is referring to there is that God ultimately has this one big grand plan. And that one big grand plan had at the culmination of it, Christ crucified on the cross and Christ risen from the dead. That was always part of God's plan. And what continues to be part of his good and glorious plan is that Christ one day he will return in glory to judge the living and the dead. And when he does return, he will right all the wrongs. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the answer to that question is yes. On that day when he returns, accomplishing his grand plan, consummating his great and glorious plan, all things wrong will be one day righted. And we will be in his good presence that day. Anne writes, uh, the Lord is good to put people in our lives that reflect his goodness and kindness um, to us. And that is true, isn't it? That the Lord puts people in our lives to reflect goodness and kindness to each other. And so that is going to be true for us in Passage West, isn't it? That we have been put into each other's lives. And, and God is calling us to see his goodness and his kindness to us and reflect that to each other. I'm amazed by the early church in Acts, how they used to just give their stuff over to each other. They didn't question. They showed kindness to one another again and again and again. May we be the reflections of God's goodness to the world and to one another. And in that way, people will see our good deeds. And glorify God. We don't do good things for the sake of doing good things. No, we do them for his glory. We do them so that people might see him. One of the good things that we can do for him is reflect his goodness to others. Tom writes, um, I can't see the whole verse. I'll come back to Tom's comment in a second. Once I get onto um, Facebook there, because I can't see um, the whole verse so for some reason, it um, makes it smaller here. Uh, I can't get to that quite yet. I can read the start of it. It says, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands and decrees and laws. And then you will live and increase. And that's where um, it stops for me. And so we are called to follow the Lord and increase in the Lord uh, with our obedience to him. Sariah writes, may our faith be active and may we look to be the answer to our own prayers to others. Yeah, um, too often as Christians, you know what we're guilty of? Hey, I'll pray for that. I'll pray for that. Um, and sometimes we don't pray for that, do we? Um, and sometimes we ne- neglect to do anything about it. Maybe, maybe 
God would use us, like Sariah says, to be the answers to our own prayers for others. I pray that that will be us in passage. We won't have to ask one another to be kind to one another. My prayer is that I will continue to preach the glories of Christ till I die, and that as people see his glories and his goodness, we will respond in that way to one another. Valerie writes, and I'm struck and challenged this morning by the reality that the world sees God's goodness through his people. And that is the truth. Uh, how are people going to see Jesus? How are people going to see him? I don't know about you, but not many people are willing to just sit down and do Bible study. What do they need to see? The lives of God's people. But it's not just as simple as saying, may we use our lives and not our words. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I think that is false, absolutely false. We use our words. The only way to proclaim the gospel, it is good news. How do you, how do you proclaim good news? You tell it, right? But then, as we're telling it, we need to reflect that goodness in our lives. There's no point in us telling it and speaking it and not practicing what we preach. Why? Because then people will hate what you preach because you're not living it out in your life. And so that is why that is so important for us to do. And Yvonne, uh, Graham, great to have you with us, Yvonne. Uh, you say amen. And let us end with that. Amen. Um, so what I'm going to do is hand it over to Brendan. He is going to close our time in prayer. And I would ask you to stick around for that prayer as we close our time. And do please look out um, for news upcoming, details upcoming of how we might be able to meet a safe way to the glory of God and for the good of his people. Hand it over to Brendan for prayer. How good is the God we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend, whose love is as great as his power, and knows neither measure nor end. Lord God Almighty, we have heard this morning from your word, through your servant, how you dealt with Naomi. You dealt with her, it seemed at first to her, that life was bitter, life was difficult, and God had gone against her. And yet at the end she was able to say that surely God has not forsaken his people. God has not shown, stopped showing kindness to his own children. Gracious God, help us to realize that you are such a good God to us also. Help us to realize from your word and to trust you that you are a good and gracious God to us. Help us to realize even from our own experience in life that you are a gracious and kind Father. Help us to realize when we look at Calvary what a loving and compassionate God you are, that you so loved us, that you gave your own Son in our place. Lord God Almighty, help us to be wise and to realize if we are parents ourselves, that at times we discipline our children, they are upset and sometimes even angry with us about it, and yet we discipline them for their good. Lord God, help us to trust that you are also doing what is good, in our lives. Lord, thank you 
that you are indeed such a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love towards all who call on you. Thank you, Father, that we can call you by that title, and that as a result of that we can know that you truly do love us. Help us in the week ahead to realize that whenever we do face difficulties, that you are still in control, you have not stopped showing kindness to us, and you are ultimately doing what is only right for us. And this we pray, Father in heaven, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.